you that's titled Choosing to Grow Up. You're like, great. Wow. The preacher's going to tell me I need to grow up. My wife's been telling me that forever. I mean, choosing to grow up. And so before I get into the message, I want to start and give you a base scripture, a base verse for the message. It's actually two verses or three verses. It's from uh, the message translation. It's in the book of James chapter 1, verse 2 and 4. And we're talking about choosing to grow up. And so the the, the message translation says it like this. Consider it a sheer gift, friends. Now you got to pay attention to how the Bible reads. It says to consider it a sheer gift, friends. (laughs) You ever have somebody come up to you and they say, hey, man, how you doing? And they got that look on their face and you know they're about to tell you something. That's what this is doing. It's, going, it's, just, it's telling you to consider it a sheer gift, my friends. Watch this. When tests and challenges come at you from all sides, come on. <laughs> you, you know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. So the Bible says to count it all joy. Some translations say some translations say to consider it joy when trouble comes your way. Now, that's just one of those weird verses in the Bible that just doesn't sit right with our natural mind. Amen. You mean I'm supposed to be full of joy when everything's breaking down? I'm supposed to be full of joy when people are coming against me. I'm supposed to be full of joy when nothing's going right. Yes, that's what the Bible says. It says to consider it all joy, or as in this translation, it says to consider it a sheer gift. Can you see that? Consider trouble (laughs) a gift to you. Doesn't make sense, does it? Just shake your head, do something. I'm going to keep beating the point up. (laughs) It says to consider it. A sheer gift because that trouble is going to force your faith life out into the open. You see, it would be nice to say that once you give your life to Jesus, that all of a sudden you become this super faith person and everywhere you go, faith just shines through. But that's not true and that's not real. The reality is, is that most of our faith doesn't show up until we're going through something that requires faith. And by the way, the Bible says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. You see, God loves faith because faith is trusting God. So when your trouble comes at you, your trust in God gets to be proven. Making sense? Right? But if trouble never comes, how does your faith get proven? You see, we, I, I want to correct something this morning because some of you were preached the gospel of no trouble. <laughs> you were preached a problem-free gospel. <laughs> Somebody told you that when you got saved, all your troubles were going to go away. All your problems were going to leave. Nothing bad was ever going to happen in your life again. If somebody preached that to you, I'm sorry, but they lied to you. 
Because if that was true, then James chapter two, verse two, James chapter one, verse two to four wouldn't even exist. You don't need a way out of trouble if you never get into trouble. That's good preaching. I don't care what y'all say. So I'm talking to you this morning about choosing to grow up. You see, growing up is a choice. It's a choice we all have to make. Whether or not I'm going to grow up. There's, a, there's a, 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 a part of a tree or a plant that's called a meristem line. It's a line in a tree where the nutrients come in and out of the tree. And when the nutrients or the cells come into the tree, in this meristem line, the tree decides whether or not these, these nutrients or these cells are going to go up to produce fruit or they're going to go down to cause stronger roots. You follow me? And so what happens is is when the nutrients come into the tree, there's a line in the tree. It's right above the ground, it says. And when the nutrients come into that tree, that that meristem line determines if this is going to go up and produce fruit or is this going to go down and make stronger roots or is this bad nutrients or bad cells that we're going to kick out. If you don't believe me, you can look it up. I had to look it up too. Most of you know that to be true because you know me. But it's a meristem line is what it's called. And I believe this morning that every believer has a spiritual meristem line. And when things come at us, we got to decide in our soul, am I going to let this thing go up and produce fruit in my life or go down and cause stronger roots? Or if I let the bad things come in, they can eventually cause a bitter root to spring up. I believe that every believer has a a portion in their soul where they have to make a choice that when trouble comes, what am I going to do with it? You see, for too long and for too many of us, we're living under our circumstances. We're letting our circumstances determine our outlook. We're letting our situations determine our attitude. We're letting all the things that are coming at us determine how we're going to live this life. And so watch this. What ends up happening is, is your joy gets stolen. Your peace isn't nowhere to be found. Why? Because you're letting the things of life, when they come at you, rob you, steal you, and kill you. And we were never intended to live that way. Jesus didn't down a cross and shed his blood for us to live under our circumstances. He did that so that we could live above our circumstances. And I want you got to understand something as a Christian. Trouble will come your way. Especially after you hear a message like this. You know the hardest day for a preacher, right? Monday. Because he's got to live what he preached. So I know tomorrow... Trouble's coming. Oh, pastor, you shouldn't prophesy over your life. I don't matter if I prophesy or not. Trouble's coming. Batteries go dead. Tires go flat. Come on. Now, some trouble is brought on by ourselves. Some of you are very good at getting yourself in trouble. In fact, you could write a book on how to get in trouble. Come on. Can I get a witness? Anybody in here this morning say, I can write a book on getting in trouble. (laughs) In fact, I've got a degree. (laughs) Sometimes we get ourselves in trouble. Sometimes it's just called life. Life is just tough sometimes. And sometimes God allows trouble to come into our life. Come on, Job. 
God will allow some trouble to come into our life to use it to do something in us. You see, it's not what comes at you that's important. It's what happens in you that's important. Thanks for all those amens. That's a good place to say amen. I appreciate that, Denny. But too many times we get so focused on what's coming at us that we forget that God wants to do something in us. Now, come on, you know people that are strong, people that they just, they got good endurance and good character. Those people, I mean, we've all got people that we we call them heroes sometimes. We kind of admire people like that. If you dig into their life, I can almost guarantee you that they've been through a whole lot of trouble. Because trouble forms us and trouble shapes us. God uses it. If it wasn't true, James wouldn't exist. Some of you going, dang, man, I'm glad I came to church today. I finally realized what's been going on all these years. But we don't need to be naive to the fact that trouble's not going to happen. I don't preach a problem-free gospel. I'm sorry. I preach a gospel that says when you surrender your life to Jesus and you decide to make him the Lord of your life, you now have a bullseye put on your back and your front and the enemy's coming at you now. Because the Bible says that before you gave your life to Jesus, you was an enemy of God. That means you was on the devil's team. Oh, you can't say that. It's true. I used to be on his team too. I was a starting lineup. But it's a reality. It's true. That when you give your life to Jesus, trouble's going to come after you because you've got a real enemy now. But as believers, we got to be mature enough to not freak out when the trouble comes. Too many of us, when we see trouble coming, we just kind of go, oh, my God, here comes trouble. Jesus never bowed to trouble. Did he? God sent him into the wilderness right after he was baptized in water and the Holy Spirit came upon him. God kicked him and sent him into the wilderness to be tempted for 40 days. Watch this. So that he would know all the temptations and troubles that we would ever face is what the Bible says. So listen to this. Jesus knows what's coming at you. And he's aware of how you need to handle it. That's good news, Shah. Right? Jesus is not up there unaware of what's going on in your life. He can relate to your trouble. That ought to make you feel good. You mean I'm not by myself? Nope, you're not by yourself. We'll get to a verse that proves you're not by yourself in a little while. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says this, but thank God he has made us his captives and continues to lead us along in Christ's triumphal procession. Now he uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere. Watch this, like a sweet perfume. So do this, go. It's safe to do that. We're in church and people probably smell pretty good this morning. But the Bible says that we're being used by God to preach the message of Christ. And we're like a sweet perfume. Now, I'm going to man that up a little bit. I'm like a sweet cologne. I don't wear perfume. I wear cologne. Right? If you're wearing perfume, you need to get up out of here, go shower, put some cologne on. Just saying. Watch this. Our lives 
are, la- are a Christ-like fragrance rising up to those who are being saved and by those who are perishing. Here we go. To those who are perishing, we're a dreadful smell of death and doom. <laughs> I love that. But to those who are being saved, we are life-giving perfume. You ever wonder how two people can get in the same car wreck or have the same kinds of trouble and end up reacting differently. You ever see that happen? Two people can go through the same circumstance and come out of it in two different conditions. Right? How can, how can somebody or a group of people hear a message and I've seen this happen in church too many times. I can preach a message and somebody in this room goes, man, pastor, that was a word for me. And then somebody in this room goes, man, that was a word for my husband. <laughs> right? They needed to hear that. The reality is the Bible says that for those who are perishing, it stinks. They don't like it. They can't handle it. But for those that are being saved, it's a sweet smelling aroma. That's good news right there. You see, we have to make a choice at the spiritual meristem line of our soul that when trouble comes my way, am I going to send it up and produce fruit or am I going to send it down and cause a bitter root? We make the choice of whether or not our situations and circumstances are going to make us better are bitter. It's not God's choice, so stop blaming God because you got bitter. It's your choice. I'm going to say it again. It's your choice to let your circumstance or your situation make you better or bitter. Nobody else's. It's yours. We're all going to go through stuff. Every single one of us. No one is exempt. Listen to me. I was on a job one time, Denny and I, and, I, and we, we didn't need it to rain. And I considered myself a man of faith. I jumped on the backhoe and I drove around the school praying as loud as I could, rebuking the rain like a maniac. Rain, go away. Rain in the name of Jesus. I was doing all this stuff. Nobody knew what I was doing, I don't think. And, and I was doing all this stuff and it still rained. Now, did I not have enough faith? Oh, trust me, I had faith. It was just going to rain. And for some of you, some days it's just going to rain. Right? What you going to do? You going to cry about it or you going to get outside with your short pants on and play in the water? That'd be a sight. Get a picture of that, put that on YouTube. We choose whether or not it makes us better or bitter. Hebrews 12, 15 says to look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Now watch this. How is it that when we, when we produce fruit in our lives, we can, others can pick that fruit and they can begin to eat that fruit and enjoy it, right? And it's good for us, right? The satsuma trees didn't do too good this year, Right? You know how I know? There's not a bunch of bags of satsumas on the, in the kitchen. When the satsuma trees do good, we get tons of satsumas uh, in here, and, and people just come drop. I'll just bring that to the church. You know, you know how y'all do, right? Just, just bring that to the church. 
Okay. So a, a tree, a satsuma tree can produce fruit. And in that fruit, if the fruit is healthy, that fruit can actually give you vitamin C. It can give you some antibodies. It can give you some, some other types of vitamins. It's sweet. Come on, it's refreshing. How many of you like satsumas? I want to make sure I'm preaching to the right church. I mean, you bite into a good satsuma, it had to go through some what? Some freezing weather. They're the sweetest after the freeze, right? Do you know that bitterness is the same way? You ever bit into a bitter fruit? I'll give you this one. How many of you ever ate an already dead crawfish? You didn't know, you didn't recognize the tail was straight? And you peeled it and you threw it in your mouth and you're like. <laughs> they had some poor people from all over the U.S. last week was in, at the ABC camp. And I went to, to talk to them one night and they were feeding them crawfish. <laughs> and I felt sorry for these folks because they were like foreigners, man. And, and, and so one guy goes, he goes, what, what, what's the deal with the tail? I said, bro, don't eat that. Don't eat that. He said, well, why not? I said, that thing was dead before it hit the water. Really? It tastes bad. I said, oh, bro, it tastes bad. I said, you'll never eat crawfish again. Right? Just like good fruit can, can be enjoyable, a root of bitterness can tear you down. The Bible says it can corrupt many. Do you know bitter people only like to hang out with bitter people? How many of you don't like bitter people? I didn't say to raise your hand, but now I know. If you don't like being around bitter people, I'm going to give you a little free tip this morning. Be positive and happy. You want to know what's happened to the bitter people? They can't stand to be, because bitter don't like happy. They're not friends. Bitter people want to get around more bitter people. Offended people want to get around more offended people. Victims want to be around victims so they can hold hands and sing, feel sorry for me. Right? Do you know we get to choose what kind of fruit we produce? We get to decide if the troubles in life are going to make me sweet or are they going to make me bitter? It's our decision. Listen to me. I wish I could exempt all of you from going through trouble. Shoot. I wish I could exempt myself from going through trouble. But I can't. But I can encourage you with this, that when trouble comes, if you'll take it at the meristem line of your soul and say, you know what? I'm not going to let you cause me to have a bitter root. I'm going to let you produce some good fruit. And when your enemy comes or people been talking about you on Facebook and, and, and slandering your name on Instagram or whatever those things you're on, when they're beating you down, you know what? Instead of beating them back, won't you bless them? Don't beat them. Bless them. You know, the Bible says to bless those who curse you. Do you know it says it doesn't say curse those that curse you? Or let me say it in Cajun terms. Don't cuss those that curse you. Right. The Bible says to do what? To bless them. When people are mean to you, be nice to them. The Bible says it's like stacking hot coals on their head. I taught that to my father-in-law one time. We were fishing in a pond and somebody was dove hunting close by and they shot over us and the BBs just rained down on us. And he was a little bitty old fella. And he was like, he wanted to come out the boat and tear everybody up. And I'm like, look, Pop, I ain't getting in a fight today, bro. I said, let me tell you what the Bible said. The Bible says if you'll be nice to those people, it's like putting coals on their head. I said, so wouldn't you rather put some coals on their head? Well, yeah. 
I said, okay, let's keep fishing. We can choose to let it make us bitter or better. But bitterness can corrupt many, but fruitfulness can bless many. You see, we get to decide. It's our choice. We make the decision. You'll have over 10,000 chances in life to get bitter if you choose to. Go with me to Galatians chapter 5. I want to show you something. I believe every Christian should know this, these two verses in the Bible because it's really what, what's supposed to be going on in our life. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. Are you getting something yet? Say, I'm getting something. Verse 22, it says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Who produces it? The Holy Spirit does that. How does the Holy Spirit produce fruit in our lives? When we let him. When we make a decision to take the circumstances and the problems and the trials and the trouble that are coming at us and let them go up and produce fruit and not take us down to produce a bitter root. If we'll let the Holy Spirit, we'll have joy. If we'll let the Holy Spirit, we'll have love. If we'll let the Holy Spirit, parents, you'll have patience. Watch the last part of that verse. I think it's the most powerful. There is no law against these things. <laughs> How many of you would love to drive through units with no speed limit? Come on, no speed laws. Let me get a witness. Anybody? I mean, I'd be happy if they just increased the speed on some of these side streets. You know what I'm saying? But how many of you like if there was no laws? How fast would you drive? Huh? I mean, listen. I ain't going to say it. But the Bible saying right here that if you let the Holy Spirit produce these kinds of fruit in your life, there is no law against them. Watch me. There is no regulation to how much joy you can have. There's no limit, baby. You can have all the joy you want. You can be gross with joy if you want to. You can have it oozing off of you like some hair gel. I mean, you can just have some joy. But why don't you have that joy? Answer that question this morning. Why don't you have that kind of joy? Why don't you have that kind of patience in your life? Why aren't you that kind? Why don't you have that much self-control? Because you're letting something steal it from you. You're letting life take it from you. You're letting the devil come and beat you up and kill it in your life. You can't have no joy because you're too busy. Too busy worrying about your circumstances. Too busy worrying about what people are saying about you. Listen to me. We all got to rise up sooner or later and get above our circumstances and stop living underneath them. It's about time for our circumstances to to stop dictating what, what kind of fruit I get to produce in my life. I don't know about you, but I want the lid off. Amen. I've been sitting around too long letting my circumstances beat me down, feeling sorry for myself, feeling like a victim. When you meet great people, if you'll take the time to listen to their story, 
Nine out of ten times, they've been through some horrible stuff. There's some folks in this room right now, if I had time, I'd get them to share their story, and your mind would be blown back. The fact that they're even alive, the fact that they haven't committed suicide, the fact that they haven't just given up on life. You see, God uses the trouble in our life to make us more like Jesus. I love the verse that says we'll be able to do greater miracles than Jesus did. Everybody loves that verse. Nobody likes the verse that says you're going to go through more trouble than Jesus did. Everybody's like, I'm going to pass that one. Me, oh my, pass me, on. I don't like that verse. But it's true. God takes the trouble in your life. And if you'll let the Holy Spirit produce fruit, he's going to make it sweet, sweet, sweet. I got to quit basing my feelings and my emotions on what I'm going through. I got to stop focusing on what I'm going through. And I need to focus on what I'm growing through. Stop being fascinated by what you're going through and start getting fascinated by what you're growing through. And see your trouble and see your circumstances as an opportunity to grow in Christ. An opportunity to become sweeter. An opportunity to become more like Jesus. An opportunity to produce more fruit so that more people can eat from the fruit of your life. Amen? Enough is enough. But the enemy wants to isolate you and he wants to make you feel like you're the only one going through trouble. That's why that verse previously said that we need to look out for each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you. Watch this. The reason we belong together as Christians, the reason we belong in a good life giving church is because we need some folks to look out for us. Right? I need people to look out for me. I thank God for the folks that will come up to me and tell me my breath stinks. I thank God for the people that come to me and say, Pastor, you got to let something hang out your nose. You know what I'm saying? I thank God for the people that come to me and say, yo, bro, you handled that kind of wrong, man. That was rough. I thank thank God for my pastor. who He he called me up last Sunday. I wasn't even going to tell him what I was feeling. I was trying to hide it. I was just kind of depressed last Sunday and before church started and he calls me up and he heard the tone of my voice and he immediately said, what's wrong? I was like, don't go in it. I hate it when he does that. I said, well, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, man of God, he encouraged me. I thank God he's looking out for me. Who's looking out for you? Are you close enough to some other folks in your life that they can hear the tone of your voice and realize that something's wrong? We got to look out for one another. But I've seen too many Christians go through trouble. Watch this little slide, slide slick deal of the enemy. Too many Christians that go through trouble, they'll start thinking, well, I must have done something wrong. God's mad at me. God don't love me anymore. I am rotten. All those words that people spoke over you start coming true, right? I've seen too many Christians get beat down when trouble comes. And instead of rising up, they just continue to get beat down. It's a lie of the enemy. Sometimes you do bring on your own trouble. But most of the time, it's just life. 
And here's the thing we got to trust as Christians. We got to trust that Jesus loves us enough to convict us of our sin. And you got to learn to identify when you're being convicted or when you're being condemned. Because the enemy comes and he wants to condemn you. It's a life sentence. He wants to bring condemnation in your life. Let me tell you how you can tell the difference. When you're feeling bad about something you've done or the situation you're in, you need to pray about it. You need to say, Lord, is this something that I've done or is this something that the enemy's trying to make me feel like I've done? And whatever you're feeling, if it's starting to bring death and it's starting to bring destruction, that is condemnation. Jesus convicts us and it gives us life. Come on now, you, you got to get this as a Christian. You really got to get this. Because when you sin, he loves you enough to come and say, hey, hey, come on, come on, you messed up? All right, all right, come on, get up. It's bringing you back up. The enemy wants to hold you down, but Jesus wants to bring you back up. So if what you're feeling is bringing you down, then you need to take that to Jesus and say, Lord, I don't know what this is, but is this a lie of the enemy? Is this the trick? Just because you're going through circumstances and trouble doesn't mean you did something wrong. Can I get a witness? It could just be that you're feeling that way because the enemy's trying to condemn you. Because that's his job, man. His job is to hold you down, push you down on the ground. You ever got beat up as a kid? I did. I'll never forget, I had bigger cousins. That was before I hit my growing spurt. I had bigger cousins. They would, they would take me. And would, my cousins always beat me up. I don't know what the problem was. But anyway, they would take me. They would beat me up. And then they would hold my face into the ground. And I remember just being there with my face in the mud. And I'm just like, I wish I could beat you up. I wish I could just rise up. Some of you have been like that most of your life. The devil got your head planted in the mud holding you down. When are you going to say enough is enough? And start trusting that if God sees that you've made a mistake and you've sinned, that he's going to come and he's going to convict you. And then, then it sounds like this. All my life, this is what I've heard. God's never mishandled me. When I mess up, he goes, son, you made a mistake. Now you need to recognize that. Now come on, get up. Shake it off. And let's keep going. That's the conviction of God. Shake it off. Let's keep going. You remember the prostitute that got caught in the act of adultery? They drug her out and was about to stone her. What Jesus do? Jesus came running in, got in front of her, said, hold up, time out, wait a minute. How many of you have not sinned? And if there is, you can throw the first stone. After everybody dropped their stones and walked away because they all sinned, what did Jesus say to the prostitute? Get up and sin no more. Come on, that's, that's just good right there. Get up and sin no more. He didn't say get up and do 200 jumping jacks, three burpees, and 16 uphills and downhills. He didn't say to do all that. He didn't say earn it. He didn't say work it off. He didn't say none of that. He said get up and don't do it again. 
Come on, somebody, you need to get excited about that because that is real love. That is the kind of love that breaks chains off of people. That's the kind of love you didn't get from your parents. That's the kind of love we all need. It's that kind of love, a non-condemning kind of love, a soft conviction kind of love. Now, Now make no mistake, if you get back up and you keep on sinning and you keep on sinning and you keep on sinning, that grace may run out one day. And heaven forbid I ever face the wrath of God. I don't want to face it. And listen to me, I don't want you to face it. Amen. That wasn't even in my notes. Hallelujah. So anybody still interested in producing fruit? How many of you heard of Georgia sweet peaches? The Georgia peaches, they're supposed to be the best peaches in the world. I've personally never had a Georgia peach. Y'all have? Y'all have had a Georgia peach? They're sweet? Okay, just I needed somebody to clarify that. They say that a Georgia peach has to have a minimum of 1,000 hours of cold weather to produce a good peach. Isn't that crazy? 1,000 hours of cold weather to produce fruit. You know what the Holy Spirit's saying to us this morning? You're going to have to have some cold days to produce some fruit in your life. You want some sweet fruit? You want to produce fruit? You want the Holy Spirit to produce fruit in your life? He's going to give you the opportunity. Bless your heart. He's going to give you the opportunity. He's going to set you up. Just pray this prayer with me real quick. Say, Lord, bring me some fruit. Just come on. Anybody want to pray that prayer? You just might have some cold days coming down the road. Amen. Go with me to Psalms 92. I'm going to try to land this plane. Psalms 92, starting in verse 12. I want you to hear these words. It says, but the godly will flourish like palm trees and grow strong like the cedars of Lebanon. Listen to me. I need to go to Lebanon, Lebanon, because they got some cool stuff in Lebanon. Last weekend, I read I read to you from the Song of Songs and it talked about, you know, the goat's hair coming down from the, the mountains of Lebanon. Anyway, side note. The godly will flourish like palm trees and grow strong like the cedars of Lebanon, for they are transplanted to the Lord's own house. They flourish in the courts of our God. Even in old age, come on, somebody, even in old age, you'll still produce fruit. They will remain vital and green. That means that when I get old, I'm going to still be fruitful, vital. Come on, somebody. I told the first service this morning, I said, you know what? When I get old, and I'm going to grow, I'm going to live a long time. When I get old, my grandkids are going to come. All of them. Because they're going to have a bunch of them. (laughs) I done prophesied it. They're going to have some grandkids and they ain't going to live too far away. And they're going to come to my house. They're going to come to Papa's house and they're going to eat the sweetest fruit Papa ever had. And you know what's going to happen to my kids? They're going to be jealous. You know why? Because when they were raised, my fruit wasn't quite so sweet. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? This verse is true. When I get older, the fruit's going to get sweeter. Your kids are going to say, well, that's fine. That's funny. You didn't let us get away with that. Why you you buy that for them? You didn't buy that for us. Oh, my God. (laughs) 
You done got soft in your old age. No, I ain't get soft. I got sweet, baby. Come on. I'm going to be the sweetest old fart you ever saw. Kids come to my house, I'm going to bless the mess out of them. Hey, I'm serious. (laughs) How is it that the sun can melt butter on the one hand and harden clay on the other? You ever thought about that? Stick a stick of butter out in the driveway, it's going to melt. Put a ball of clay on the, on the same part, it's going to harden. You know what has everything to do with our attitude? You know what makes you is not your accomplishments, but your attitude? Your attitude towards things? You know what I love about old people is they've lived long enough to realize that this trouble is really just not much. And they just go, you know what? Trouble comes and trouble goes. And you know what happens? I think trouble quits messing with them. You know why? Because trouble's like, we can't win. <laughs> they, they know better. They not, you, you can't beat that old lady up. She done been through so much trouble. You, you ain't got no new tricks in your bag to throw at her. Watch what 2 Corinthians says. Chapter 4, verse 17. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them, the troubles, and will last forever. Do you know that when you go through trouble and you learn how to handle it right, and at the mirror stem line of your soul, you tell trouble what it's going to do in your life instead of trouble telling you what it's going to do in your life, God's going to, he's going to kick on his spotlight. And from heaven, he's going to shine this big old beam of light on you called glory. And people are going to see you in all of your trouble because he wants to show you off. And then people are going to watch you go through trouble and they're going to see that trouble's not messing with you. Why? Because they want to see God in your trouble. Are they seeing God in your trouble? And he says this, the glory, the goodness of God is going to outweigh all the trouble you can go through. And by the way, it's only small and won't last long. <laughs> Some of you go, yeah, right, Pastor. You ain't been what I've been through. I'm going to finish up with this verse right here. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17. It says this. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ. Though it is too great to understand fully, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. When you decide what your trouble's going to do in your life and you send it in the right direction, you're going to grow in God's love and you're going to understand his love like you've never understood it before. And the Bible says that every believer should understand God's love. But it also says that his love is so great, not, not everybody can understand it. Not fully. This morning as we were worshiping, I was standing in the back just watching. And when we got to the third song, it talked about he loves me. I'm not going to sing it for you because I want you to stay holy. But he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Right. And I saw many of you start to cry. You want to know something? That is such a real emotion. 
Tears should come to our eyes when we start to receive God's love. It should overwhelm your emotions, no matter how manly you are. No matter how prideful you are. When the love of God comes, it takes over. Amen? It takes over. We get to understand that love. Our roots get to grow down deep in Christ. And when the winds come our way, we can choose to grow up and not down. Amen? I'll finish with this story. Pastor Bubba told me this morning. He said there's an area in California called the 12 Palms or something like that. And he said there's these palm trees that grow in California, and the, the climate is very dry, the soil is dry, so the roots of the palm trees have to really go deep, deep, deep to find moisture and to find nutrients to survive in this, this certain part of the country. They say when the winds come and the storms come, that, that palm tree can actually bend all the way to the top is touching the ground and never break because the root system is so strong. you got to know this this morning. That everything you're going through is, is intended for you to trust God more and for your faith to be pushed out and your roots to go deeper in Christ so that when the storms come, no matter what they are, you might bend, baby, but you're not going to break. Amen. 